Thanks for watching NTD Business. Coming up. With the midterms only days away, big money is pouring into hotly contested races. But is it drowning out the voices of local voters? TikTok telling Europeans it does in fact share user data with China. FCC is reportedly considering a ban on the app. And get this, some farmers are making more money as social media influencers than from actually farming. It is one way to supplement income during this economic slowdown. With that and much more, coming up on NTD Business. It's great to have you with us. Paul Graney here. It looks like the Fed's efforts to cool the labor market may be working. Amazon today says it'll pause corporate hiring for a few months at least. Depending on the unit, it'll replace employees who leave. In some areas, it'll continue hiring people. But it is trying to cut costs amid economic worries. In the past few weeks, Amazon has gotten rid of subsidiaryfabric.com. It also closed its Amazon Care Health Service. Company says it still intends to hire a meaningful number of people next year. Keep you updated. Ride-hailing company Lyft is also trying to cut costs today, saying it'll lay off 13% of its staff. That's nearly 700 employees. Decades high inflation has hit consumer spending and driven up costs for businesses. So companies across sectors are cutting jobs and downsizing their operations to preserve their profits. Lyft is slated to report third quarter results Monday. The company does say the layoffs won't have any impact on its previously issued forecast for the period. And sees the White House is in damage control. It deleted a post on Twitter, did you hear? The tweet was fact-checked for making an inaccurate claim about the Social Security benefit increase. The now-deleted post is celebrated that seniors are getting the biggest increase in their Social Security checks in 10 years. White House said it was through President Biden's leadership. But the post failed to mention that the increase is due to surging, decades-high inflation. Cost-of-living adjustments are automatic. They don't depend on the president. Here's what the White House said in response yesterday. The tweet was not complete. Usually when we put out a tweet, uh, we posted with context, and it did not have that context. The White House pointed us to a previous statement it said was more complete. That statement said the combination of Medicare premiums going down and Social Security benefits going up will help. It also said that means seniors will have a chance to get ahead of inflation. One analyst, though, from the Senior Citizens League told CNN last month, still too early to say whether the changes will be enough to keep up with inflation. And turning to the midterms, where out-of-state money is pouring into key races, is now playing a larger role this midterm elections, according to a new Bloomberg report. For Senate candidates, almost two-thirds of the donations came from out-of-state contributors, not people in the state, from out-of-state giving to your senators. That's up from over just over a half in the last cycle. Among all the Senate races, Nevada tops the list between Catherine Cortez Mastow and Adam Laxalt. 85% of their donations came from out of state. In total, $265 million of out-of-state money has poured into nine hot Senate races. One political science professor says elections are getting increasingly, quote, nationalized. One reason behind it is donors are using super PACs to give to candidates, and there are no limits to how much you can donate to these super PACs. 
So joining us live is Jim Rubens. He's served in the New Hampshire State Senate. He's now on the board of American Promise. That's a nonprofit that wants limits on campaign spending. Jim, are you with us? I sure am. And thank you, Paul, for having me back again. I, I appreciate you raising this issue and keeping it alive. Absolutely, Jim. It's great yeah. to see you. Maybe you can let us know, Jim, why are we seeing an increasing influence from out-of-state donors this year in particular? Well, we had uh, a series of Supreme Court decisions which basically blew off any limits on the amount of money that could be spent on elections. There are no limits, hardly any limits anymore. And when you add uh, direct-to-candidate money and super PAC money, which is not direct to candidate. I give the example of Pennsylvania. Now in Pennsylvania, somewhere between 80 and 85% of all the money going to that key swing US Senate race, 80, 85% is out of state money. In, uh, in another example is Georgia, somewhere between 85 and 90% of the money going into the Georgia US Senate race, when you include super PAC money, which wasn't referenced in the data you just referenced, comes from out of state. And this money from out of state is coming primarily from California, DC, Washington, DC, and New York. And what it means is the preferences of local voters are being supplanted, replaced by the preferences, candidate preference, issue preferences of, of, of people, generally people, a small number of people in the Democratic and Republican orbits from New York, DC, and California. And it's severing that relationship between local candidates and their constituents, and it's destroying federalism. Do we know, Jim, where the money is coming from specifically, or is it dark money, this phrase we've heard right. so often? Some of the money is, uh, is reported, and most of the money now, because it's super PAC money, is dark money. We don't know where it's coming from. That that we can track, we know clearly is coming from these, these coastal blue states uh, sources. Now, we also, there's a concern here, is because some of this dark money is coming, and we know some is from China and Russia. These are enemies of the United States of America, and they're meddling in our elections because they'd prefer to see more divisiveness, they'd prefer to see more conflict. And so you see the ads that are being paid for, particularly by super PAC money, which is not controlled by the candidates, very negative, very hostile character attacks, and it's causing the American public to lose confidence in a major way. We're at a, we're at a, we're at a multi-decade low on the confidence that we as Americans have in our system of government. So there is an interest by Russia and China in debilitating us uh, politically. So there are problems. So yeah, go You're ahead. saying, Jim, that potentially these attack ads, we've all seen them, and I think everyone is, is yeah. you know, they don't find them in good taste, right? Nobody really likes them, no matter where you stand. You're saying that some of this could be funded by the likes of Russia and China. How can we stop that happening, Jim? Well, right now, we can't, because the Supreme Court, through the series of decisions, uh, foremost and well-known, the Citizens United decision of 19, uh, 1990, uh, 2000, forgive me, um, prohibited states from limiting this out-of-state money. So we would like to see, at American Promise, we'd like to see, uh, restore, we'd like to see a constitutional amendment, we call it the For Our Freedom Amendment, to restore the power of state legislators 
as they see fit for their particular state uh, to set limits on this money. And if a state legislator wishes to uh, limit money from foreign governments, they could now do that. If they wish to limit money from California, they could do that should they wish with our For Our Freedom Amendment. And so I, I mentioned the, the, you mentioned the nationalization of elections. I mentioned the severing of a link between local candidates and their, uh, and their constituents, the negativity. Uh, the destruction. So let's, of touch on, let's touch on that nationaliz yeah. nationalization while you're yeah. there, Jim. We've got yeah. about 30 seconds. So let's take Russia and China and these foreign players out of the equation. Like some may argue that the, the senators do have a lot of influence on national policies. So maybe it makes sense that these races are in fact nationalized, at least within American borders. It, it's clearly in the interest of the donors to nationalize the elections because the donors, <laughs> they have interests. This money is not being spent uh, just out of uh, magnanimous uh, behavior. It's, it's spent because certain individuals, a small number of people, again, in control the flow of these hundreds of millions of dollars, have particular interests. Uh, however, as I, as I mentioned, there are issues that vary from state to state. Candidates and voters, for example, I'll use the example of Maine, a huge amount of out-of-state money, about $60 million went in in the 2020 elections uh, on a power line from Canada to Boston. And most of the money to influence that, uh, that election came from, came from out of the country, from a foreign source. That is not the interest of the Maine voters. So you're taking Maine legislators, Maine policy, uh, and yes, there are interest, interests involved here, but you're, you're, you're preventing Maine voters from having influence and a voice in the selection of their candidate. That's something that's got to change. Yeah. We're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. It's not yeah. something that could be raised on a local level. Jim Rubens, we really appreciate it. Jim Rubens, American Promise. Thank you, Jim. Till next time. For our freedom. Thank you. And down on Wall Street, stocks ended lower today for the fourth straight day in a row. Sorry to tell you. The Dow lost 147 points, half a percent. S&P 500 fell 40 points, one and one-tenth of a percent. And the Nasdaq dropped 182 points, one and seven-tenths of a percent. And video sharing app TikTok, it admits that it's sharing European user data with its workers in China and other countries. FCC here in the States is now reportedly considering a government ban on the app. Trump had advised to do that. Anthony Shaw Marshall has more. TikTok is sharing European user data. TikTok made an announcement as part of a privacy policy update released on Wednesday. It names China as one of a number of countries where user data can be remotely accessed by the company. This comes amid a year-long investigation by Europe's General Data Protection Regulation into data being shared with China. Other countries where European user data could be accessed by TikTok staff are Brazil, Canada, Israel, the U.S., and Singapore. Also at this time, the FCC is considering a ban on the app. Axios reported on Tuesday that an FCC commissioner said that the federal government should take action to rein in TikTok. The outlet quoted FCC's Brendan Carr saying, I don't believe there is a path forward for anything other than a ban. Carr cited recent revelations about how TikTok and its Chinese parent ByteDance handled data on U.S. users. Europe's investigation into TikTok's data transfers to China is being led by Ireland's Data Protection Commission. It's TikTok's lead privacy regulator in the region. The commission told TechCrunch that it expects its inquiry to continue for the next several months. 
It then plans to send out a draft decision for review by other European data protection authorities. Sean Marshall, NTD News. And on to the Russia-Ukraine war. Russia's economy shrank by 5% in September. That's compared to September last year. This is data from Russia's economy ministry. Western sanctions and the fallout from the war in Ukraine have pushed the country toward recession. Moscow, though, says the West failed to destroy its economy earlier this year. Economists were predicting a double-digit recession for 2022. But yesterday, Russia at least said it's on track to posting a 2.9% contraction this year. Central bank officials have said Moscow's call-up of 300,000 reservists to fight in Ukraine could further impact the Russian economy. The energy crisis in Europe was caused by the war in Ukraine is now costing businesses big, I mean big. German gas importer Uniper reported a record $39 billion net loss in the first nine months of this year. It's the biggest loss in German corporate history, just massive. The damage highlights how Russian gas supply cuts are impacting the German energy sector. Since the start of the year, shares in Uniper have lost 93% of their value. Sorry, investors. The company has threatened legal action against its former main supplier, Russia's Gazprom. Germany will now soon take over Uniper as part of a stabilization package. The company also plans to leave the Russian market. Special report today. Because of the economic slowdown, many are turning to other ways to make money. Some farmers have decided to run their own YouTube channels. They're doing pretty well. In fact, they're making more money on YouTube than they are on their farms. One such farmer is Suzanne Cook from Michigan. Her channel is called WT Farm Girl Videos. She told us she's currently making only about, only a bit more from YouTube than from farming. In the long term, though, she hopes her farm will be more profitable. Here she is. I think in my best year, I was probably making about 25000 um that year um i've made a lot less since then just because i've been trying to focus more on growing the farm understanding that youtube um while it's really nice right now in the long term probably won't be there whereas the farm the goal is that the farm will be there if not just for us but for my son and our grandchildren as well cook is around 72,000 subscribers all who enjoy watching her take on farming projects and watch her fix broken equipment she thinks her channel is popular because she's being genuine and showing completely what farming is like in real life i'm just shooting on the fly like okay today we're just gonna run out and we're going to cut the hay field because it suddenly is a clear day and we're just gonna get this done and um Sometimes I forget to bring the camera. Sometimes I forget to bring extra batteries. So um, it is a lot trickier to shoot like that because there are lots of ways to fail. Um, and also a little bit trickier to edit it too because sometimes I just talk to the camera for like a good hour and then I'm like, oh, I have to edit this later. <laughs> she says the key to success is persistently posting. She says YouTube is a lot like farming. You have to keep nurturing it or else it's going to die. It's also a big problem. Shooting videos, videos of farm work takes a lot of her time and energy out of actual farm work. It's trickier when you're a farmer because you have a short window that you have to get stuff done. So it takes a lot more time out of that window when you have to talk to the camera, set up the camera, run and get an extra battery. 
you wouldn't think that it would take that much extra time, but it really does. And so you kind of have to pre-plan. And this isn't just an American thing. Over in Britain, farmer Ollie Harrison is making much more, much more off YouTube than off his farm. His channel's called Ollie Blogs Agri-Contract Farmer. Harrison told us he's probably going to have a loss on his farm this year. That's because of drought. Meanwhile, his YouTube income is the equivalent of over $100,000 a year after tax. I, I started doing YouTube just at the very beginning of the first UK lockdown of COVID, 950-odd days ago. And it was a joke. I just carried on doing it. I thought it would be funny. And then it, I got lots of people viewing it and viewing it and viewing it. One of my videos went a bit viral a couple of weeks later, so I did what you call monetize the channel. And then it's just grown and grown and grown, and, and now it's a, it's a considerable income stream. That viral video that Ollie's talking about featured him rescuing a man in the middle of a flood. The local newspaper saw the video, posted it on their social media pages. It now has over 300,000 views. It's the most watched video on his channel. And Ollie puts a little effort into his videos. He works every single day and just brings his smartphone with him to film whatever he does. His YouTube videos are very short and casual. He uses his phone to edit them. It only takes about 10 minutes. There have been times he's edited videos while driving a tractor. His videos usually feature big machines and beautiful landscapes. He says he also tries to explain to people what he does in the most simple way possible. I think people are interested in farming and outdoor life. Uh, sometimes they can be funny, not always, but I think I think people get addicted to see what I've done that day. And because they're so short, they can watch them anywhere. Some people watch them when they're having a cup of tea at work. Some people tell me that they watch them when they're on the toilet. You know, it just, just depends, really. Harrison says he's very grateful for his YouTube income because inflation is hurting his farm, quote, massively. Especially in regards to fuel and fertilizer, rising interest rates also bad for him because he has mortgages and multiple farms. But unlike Harrison, fellow UK farmer Sarah Gray is doing pretty well. She runs a flower farm and her flower sales haven't even fallen. Her YouTube channel is called Bloom Gray Flower Farm. She makes the equivalent of $67,000 to $80,000 a year off YouTube. It's not much more than she makes through her flowers, but she says it does help her pay her expenses. Here she is. I'll just film what I'm doing at work and sometimes uh, the audience will get particularly interested in something that I'm doing within one of my videos. And so I will kind of take a vein off that and make a new video about that. But usually it's just whatever I'm being inspired by at work at the time. And it's kind of easy to come up with content. Gray says she started her channel to teach people how to plant flowers. The channel grew organically, no pun intended, over time. As she posted a new video every week. She now has over 20,000 subscribers and hopes to make more off YouTube than her original job. We're going to take a quick break, but if you have any news, tips, or feedback for the show, you can always email us, business at ntd.com. Still to come. Pfizer launching a study on its new combination vaccine. First participant has received a dose. Netflix launching a new subscription plan. is now the cheapest tier, but there's a catch. We have that and much more coming up on NTD Business.
Welcome back. The third quarter earnings for Moderna, not as good as expected. Pharma company today said revenue fell by a third. It's also cutting its outlook because of supply constraints. It says up to $3 billion in vaccine sales will have to be pushed to next year. That's due to quality control issues. The drop in demand for its COVID-19 shots and higher costs also hit performance, but Moderna did say next year's outlook doesn't include expected contracts with countries like the U.S. and Japan. So next year's sales could be better than forecast. Pfizer has launched a study of a combination COVID and flu vaccine. Today, Pfizer and its German partner BioNTech announced that its first participant has received a dose in a phase one trial. The shot contains Pfizer's updated bivalent COVID booster and its Investige and its flu vaccine. The bivalent booster targets the original COVID strain into Omicron variants. Other vaccine makers are also studying combination vaccines. Novavax announced this month its combination COVID flu vaccine candidate generated immune responses against coronavirus and influenza strains. That was an early clinical trial. Moderna is also developing a combined flu and COVID vaccine and another combination vaccine targeting flu, COVID, and RSV. And streaming site Netflix is entering a new era, one with commercial breaks. Today, the streaming service announced the Basic With Ad subscription plan. This tier costs $6.99 per month in the United States, features much of what's available in Netflix's basic plan, but has about five minutes worth of hours, worth of ads per hour. The spots will be about 30 seconds long each and will air before and during programs. This is the first time commercials will air in the company's 25 years history. Netflix has been struggling financially. Subscriptions are down this year, and its stock has plummeted. And a Moroccan charity is partnering with local companies to help clean up the streets of Casablanca. The team is collecting hundreds of pounds of waste a day and turning it into things like chairs and bags. Anthony's Andrew Thomas reports. A charity called Kaoun made everything in the shop from recycled materials. All items were made from plastic, cardboard, or paper waste. The Kaun team sources, collects, and recycles waste from up to five companies. Every day, they collect between 200 and 400 pounds of waste, 60% of which is plastic. When we walk in the streets, there's waste on the ground everywhere, and people are increasingly becoming sick with respiratory diseases. We see that in our seas, the amount of plastic waste is increasing. We see more and more fish with plastic straws or plastic bags inside them. All this makes us angry. Since its creation in 2017, Kaun has recycled more than 70 tons of waste. The charity has three different workshop facilities to recycle plastic, paper, and cardboard. Things have started to change, and companies have learned to sort their waste. And now they've started to think about how to optimize and reduce their waste. For plastic recycling, waste has to be sorted before it's crushed and turned into a paste. They can then repurpose it to make tables, chairs and more. These types of plastics cause direct damage to the environment because of their components. They create carbon dioxide and petroleum waste, which increase the proportion of carbon in nature and contribute to the rise in global temperatures. Today the whole world suffers from the problem of climate change. In the second workshop, 
shredded paper goes through a special machine. It's turned into a paste, which is then dried. Bags, carpets, placemats, cushions, belts, and shoes are made from them. From this paper, we can produce several other items, such as business cards, boxes, and notebooks. We take one to two days for business cards and three days for notebooks. Moroccans produce more than one million tons of plastic waste annually. Only 7% is recycled. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. And there's going to be something special in the sky next Tuesday. On November 8th, a total lunar eclipse will be in the sky nationwide. A lunar eclipse, of course, is when the path of our nearest neighbor in space enters the Earth's shadow, during a full moon phase, that is. That causes the light from the Earth's sunrises and sunsets to be cast on the moon, causing it to temporarily appear red. And if you miss Tuesday's sky show, you're going to have to wait till 2025 for the next one. Get more information about the total lunar eclipse on NASA's website. And that's the latest for the NTD Business Team and myself, Paul Graney. Follow me on Twitter, though, if you're there. Oh, and if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, email us, business at ntd.com. That's all for today. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.